Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. guys and welcome back to ladies who law school podcast i'm Haley, and i'm sam in this week's episode we have a very special guest she is a woman who just is inspiring and passionate and a freaking go-getter i can't wait for you guys to listen to her and learn a little bit from her please help me welcome our guest Please help me welcome our guest, Miss Jasmine Robinson. Hi, Jasmine. Hello. So happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm attorney Jasmine Robinson. Most people call me attorney Jazz or just Jazz for short. I'm an entrepreneurship attorney, but more importantly, I'm a law school coach for my brand, Jazz Talks Law. So I created Jazz Talks Law because, as you can see, only 5% of lawyers are Black, and I want to do everything in my power to increase the 5%. I work with future lawyers. I have workbooks, online courses, one-on-one services, and products. And thus far, we've done at least 2.2 million in law school scholarships. So Heck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just, I should have, like, recorded y'all's react. Oh, wait, this is recorded. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> it is. Well, it's mind blowing. It so is. that's awesome. I mean, we all yeah. know how much it costs to go to law school, and we know how big of a barrier that is for people to go to law school. So that's amazing. Thank you. Awesome. So, where did you go to law school? I attended Mercy University School of Law right outside of Atlanta in Macon, Georgia. Okay. I know a few people who go there. So, what made you decide to go to Mercer? So I attended Mercer, to be very honest with you, because they were the only law school <laughs> that accepted me right away and gave me a partial scholarship. Literally, exactly. every school missed out on all of this. And that's okay. You know, rejection is redirection. So I was yes. properly redirected to Mercer. They gave me a partial scholarship. I still graduated with a lot of debt, but of uh, they gave me the best opportunity out of everything that was, you know, presented my way. Absolutely. I mean, we hear time and time again, it's... I went where the money was and it's just so hard not to take on a scholarship when it is bestowed upon you, you know? So what would you say were some of your biggest struggles and biggest accomplishments while you're in law school? Well, let's, let's start on a high note. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I think my biggest accomplishment is me graduating law school with honors. You know, I entered Mercy University School of Law for 144 LSAT, first lawyer in my family, scared, imposter syndrome. Yes. You know, so many things. 
you know, first day of law school, I'm walking in like, do I even belong here? Right. Yeah. Um, they didn't see many people that looked like me. Like this is a whole new state, a whole new culture shock. You know, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I came to Georgia just for law school no family, no nothing. Like I'm literally just walking on faith and I graduated with honors. You know, I finished my first and my last semester on the Dean's list. Um, that's definitely my, 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 I think my highest achievement. Um, or what? Well, I won't say my highest because I can actually think of my sec- a second one, which is Jazz Talks Law. Jazz Talks Law literally got hurt because of Mercer. But um, I'll save that story for another day. On the other end, one of the biggest challenges in law school was learning discipline. Yeah, I didn't really learn this level of discipline, this level of study and strategy. I didn't learn it on this. This is like a level, you know, Sierra said level up. Like this this is is next level in terms of studying and discipline, you know? So that was a, that was a huge curve, you know, thank God I, I made it through that curve. Thanks to our black law student association. They gave us every tool we needed to be successful doing that. But it was, it was definitely, that was definitely the most challenging part. Absolutely. So while in law school, what were you involved in and what do you, did you have internships during the summer? Kind of give us a glimpse into that. Well, so while in law school, I was definitely involved in a lot of things, but my first year of law school, I said, listen, I am here to just be a student. You know, my first year, I was um, a member of the Black Law Student Association, but that was basically it. I wanted to focus on just my grades. Um, and I'm happy I, I'm happy I did so because, you know, I was coming from undergrad. I was a straight brewer, as they like to call us. And, um, you know, I was super involved at Hampton University, the best historically black college university out there. And I was so involved, like overly involved. So I really needed a break. So my first year, I didn't do much besides being a member, an active member of BALSA. My second year, though, I was in mock trial. Um, I became event co-chair of BALSA. We had, I, I had the perfect like 3L send-off event. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And then my third year of law school, I was involved with um, BALSA's Southern Region. And I was, um, what was I, the membership chair for the Southern Region of Black Law Student Association. And in the midst of all of that, you know, I was also, I also did like five or six internships in law school. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell us about <laughs> so, them. You yeah, want to know. Tell us how you get five or six internships because yeah, I would so, love to know. Because I was a little crazy. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, okay, after my, you know, first year, I didn't do any internships while I was in school. But after that year ended, I actually got a job opportunity offered to me before I even started law school. Um, a federal judge approached me while I was still a senior at Hampton. It was like, you know, send me your first semester grades, you know, after you finish your first semester of law school and I'll see what I have for you. And I was like, okay. So the first half of my one L summer, I ended up working as a law clerk for a federal judge in Houston, Texas. And I have a whole Huge as a first year law student, like <laughs> wow, that was nothing but alignment. If you ask me, yeah, and I have a whole story about that on my YouTube channel because it was a crazy good experience. That was the first half of my one L summer. Second half of my one L summer, I actually studied abroad. Okay. I went to London with through Georgetown, and I got some you know credits, learned mediation, like so many Ooh. things I learned out in London. Visited Spain. During, during my second year of law school, I did I did an internship with a firm while I was also a student and learned a lot more about family law and just general practice. And then after, uh, I think, 
spring of my, no, that was spring of my 2L year. The summer of my 2L year, I did two interns. I was always like splitting, like, you know, but honestly, splitting is like low key a gem. Mm-hmm. You know, six weeks here, six weeks there. You know, you know, you can get multiple experiences on your resume still in one summer, you know. So I think that actually helped me in the long run because I had like a little bit more. Um, but I ended up splitting in that second summer between uh, one of the biggest family law firms in Atlanta. You know, family law firms here, they're typically small, you know, one or two attorneys. But this like, but there's like maybe three or four really big ones in Atlanta. So I ended up working for them. And then the second half I spent working for a superior court judge in Atlanta that does only in the family division. Cause I thought I was gonna be this big family lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was gonna have like a one hundred divorce sign. So call me. <laughs> yeah, like on the highway right downtown Atlanta. But you know, clearly that's not where I ended up. And I'm very ha- happy with where I ended up. But um, what experience did I miss one of my oh and I also worked for the U.S. Department of Education mm-hmm. Office for Civil Rights when I was a 3L I did some other stuff I can't really but that's just like I, I did a little bit of everything put it like that <laughs> I feel like that's the best way to do it though because you get so much experience and then you kind of have an idea of what you really want to do clearly I mean you didn't end up doing family law so it's good that you got that experience out of the way so can you tell us um, after graduation what type of law were you interested in what did you start practicing and tell us a little bit about the bar exam okay so okay let me go in order so I graduate you know, leading those few months up to graduation, first off, everybody and their mama at our school was taking all these classes that was going to be on the bar exam. I said, no. <laughs> I just dived in day one of bar prep and I just shut my whole life down. I was a Barbary rep, you know, so I, I had to be there, but that kept me accountable. I was also working for a firm the first month of bar prep. So all of June, because I was still trying to find a job. So, you know, Two weeks before the bar exam, I had to get my appendix removed. <laughs> like, it was um, it, it was really intense. But but the good news, and, and this is another gem, you know, make sure you stay on top of your bar prep studies. Like, do not get behind because you never know when you're going to need a little grace at the end. Thankfully, I was able to take two full days off because, I mean, I literally was on meds and stuff. I had that surgery, so I could not study for two days. But I had kept up until that point, so it was okay. You know, it all worked out. But I will say, I will also say this about my bar prep journey. The entire time, I took so many hits to my ego. There was not a time where, you know, when you're in bar, have y'all started studying for the bar yet? Mm-hmm. We're two okay. L's. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> about to, rising three L's. <laughs> but it's great for y'all. So when you start studying for the bar exam, if you do barbary or whatever you do, they basically will let you know where you stand compared to the nation, which is like kind of intimidating. Yeah. And can actually, I don't think that's a good idea that they do that anymore. Thank God I didn't look at it and say, oh my God, I'm constantly in the bottom 33rd. I was in the bottom 33rd the entire time I was studying, but I didn't give up. I just said, okay, let me just learn from, I keep making these mistakes instead of letting it discourage me, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I said, just keep learning from your mistakes. Literally up until a week before the test, I was still bottom 33 but I think that actually is what helped me because it kept me on my toes. I didn't, I didn't have like that ego telling me, oh, you got this. You were the top 75%. You know, I didn't have all that going on. 
Long story short, took the bar exam first time, passed the bar. While I was waiting for my bar results, I actually got to intern. Well, not intern. I was a, a seasonal recruiter for my law school. They hired me to recruit all over the nation. I loved it. You know, Jazz Talk Talk, I introduced because of Mer- at Mercer. When I was a second year student, they asked me to go back to my undergrad. And then when I became, I became a seasonal recruiter because I guess I did a good job as a 2L. <laughs> so... You know, while I was waiting on my bar results, I remember being at an event. I remember being at an event specifically, and that night I got my bar results. So that was, well, no, I got my bar results that morning. And later that same day, I was at, I was downtown Atlanta at the Atlanta LSAT forum. And it was just like a great moment. So I did that. And then I went on, after that ended, I joined a private firm doing family law. So I did do family law for like three months. I did it for like Three months, and that it just clicked for me that practicing family law, it was something that I that introduced me to law school and becoming an attorney, and that was what I needed. That thought of maybe I should be a family lawyer is what I needed to get here. But I realized that wasn't litigation. Generally speaking, isn't isn't you know it is not for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more I like the transactional side, and more than the transactional side, I love coaching future lawyers. So you know that's basically where I ended up. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frieda McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go. Whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So, if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Awesome. So, let's talk about you working on the transactional side, you know, what does that look like? And what do you say to young law students who are like taking a litigation class and they're like, I really don't think this is for me. Maybe like you felt. Yeah. So first off, I knew litigation wasn't for me. The minute I remember, I'm not going to say which, which internship is what, but there was one internship that was very litigation based. And there were just so many days where I was just kind of zoned out. It was so obvious that I wasn't interested, that I didn't want to do this legal research. I did not want to do this legal writing. You know, some law students, they're like, yeah, like they're loving it. But that wasn't me. And at first I was like, oh, well, maybe that's just here. 
But then I noticed that again here. And then I noticed that again here. You know, you get signs, but you don't really listen. <laughs> <laughs> but by the time I got to being a whole attorney, it took for me to get to become a whole attorney for me to accept. You know what? It's not them. It's you. Like, yeah. it's you, you know. And, and then so I really took a break. I pursued Jazz Talks Law full time. Coaching only. One of the scariest decisions I ever made. But I knew I wasn't supposed to be litigating. So... I just took a break. I pursued Jazz Talks Law solely for a year. And then after that, I joined. Um, I just, I found out about, I found out about an attorney that needed someone part-time. And it happened to be trademarks, copyrights, uh, contracts. And I had never done anything like this. But I was just like, I mean, I can, I can... use the part-time something. Because I got kind of like missing that attorney role. You know what I mean? Not that I'm not an attorney for through Jazz Talks Law, but that direct mm-hmm. caseload type of situation. So I just, I said, hey, let's let's see what happens. And next thing you know, I worked for her for two years. I learned everything I could about trademarks, contracts, copyrights. I learned so much. So thankful for that experience. And then I just decided to expand Jazz Talks Law to a law firm. Heck yeah. So why don't you tell us the birth of Jazz Talks Law and kind of what inspired you to start it and what you you focus on? Yeah, yeah. So Jazz Talks Law was birthed, again, thanks to Mercer. So I was a second year law student and one of their recruiters asked me, emailed me, was like, hey, can you come by my office for a second? I'm like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Did I miss something in the application? Did they, you know, did I lie? Like, you know that feeling, like, and she called me to her office and she was like, hey, you know, how would you like to go back to Hampton and do some recruiting for us? And I'm like, are y'all paying for me to go to Hampton? You know, that's like eight hours away. (laughs) She's like, yeah, we'll pay for your flight, your hotel, your food. I'm like, where am I playing with? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like a no-brainer for me because, you know, I'm still so very attached to Hampton. Even mm-hmm. the current, I mean, I've graduated at least seven, six, seven years ago now. Probably more like seven years ago now. And I'm still very much connected to campus and the current students there. So it was like a no-brainer. So mm-hmm. um, they scheduled for me to go. I did a, a, a law fair event in Hampton. And, but, you know, me being me, I was like, I want to do something more while I'm there. So I talked to some of the current students on campus and we just came up with literally Jazz Talks Law. And they put like a fire to, a flyer together. I had a whole event that night that was more packed than the actual law fair. And I just talked to them about me being what it was like to be a law student. And next thing you know, six years later, I, I've, I've had a Hampton Talks Law. We went from Jazz Talks Law to Hampton Talks Law, but I've had a Hampton Talks Law event Oh, that's sad. I've had a Hampton Talks Law event every year since my second year of law school, except for last year because of Corona. So, dang, I just thought about that. But we, we won't, we won't count that. That one just gets to be the anomaly, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna keep it going. You're gonna keep it going. I know you are. Right, next year we we'll back on campus. Yeah, um, but yeah, so that's how Jazz Talks Law started. And literally, I want to say. By the time I graduated, I had went back again. Once I actually became an attorney, at some point, somebody was like, can you just look at my personal statement? And I was like, sure. Next thing you know, I'm just editing personal statements as a hobby, you know, just Mm -hmm. because I want to help. And then next thing you know, somebody that was editing a personal statement, they was like, you know what? Like, can I pay you? Like, you know, I I feel like I could use some coaching from you, like, on a weekly basis. And then next thing you know, I'm like, oh, I'm a law school coach. That's what I am. And it just kind of happened. And then maybe a year later... 
you know, I, I really just decided I needed to write a book. So I wrote um, a personal statement workbook because so many people were reaching out to me to help with their personal statement. But it's a lot of time. So I have to charge money for the time that it takes for me to do that. And I realized, you know, everyone can't afford this. And mm-hmm. I, I'm everyone. <laughs> when I was a law student, I wouldn't have been able to afford it. But I said, you know what? I don't want to turn anybody away. And then next thing you know, I have the pre-law masterclass, an online course. And then next thing you know, all these acceptance letters start rolling in. And next thing you know, I launched this 5% of Lawyers of Black brand. It's just, it, it, it's it's really been a dream come true. <laughs> it's really been a dream come true. I mean, I can just tell how elated and happy you are about it. You're definitely doing what you love. And I mean, that's yeah. what we all are looking for when we go to law school. And it's great that your JD allowed you to happen. I mean, everyone has a journey. You wouldn't have had Jazz Talks Law, if you wouldn't have gone to Mercer and they wouldn't have called you in the office that day and been like, hey, we're going to send you eight hours away and we need you to talk to some people. And you're like, what? I never even thought of that. Right. Yeah. I had never heard of a law school coach, really. And yeah. I, I just started saying I'm a law school coach. And, and then I started other people saying they was law school coach. And I'm like, listen, like we are, we're on to something. I mean, this is needed. Yeah. You know? And I definitely, you know, like if, I remember, I remember I applied to Howard, I applied to William and Mary, I can't remember where else I applied, but you're right, if, if I had ended up going to one of those schools, I probably would have never been started Jazz Talks Law. Absolutely. Everything happens for a reason. Most definitely. So you talk about starting the 5% of lawyers are Black, and you talk about being an activist. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and you know, what yeah. that experience has been like in law. and So, you know, being a Black lawyer in America is really tough, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I, I have to file trademarks and do contracts and coach future lawyers. And as, as I'm doing all those things, I turn on the news and, you know, we get excited because Derek Siobhan, George Floyd's killer, he gets convicted. But within hours, another young Black female gets gunned down, even though she called the police looking for help. And it's like, dang, like it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, you feel like you have to be on the front. I feel like, you know, cause I'm, I'm an activist. I like being in the streets. I like holding up my sign. Like, you know, yeah. and it's like, I want to, I want to, I want to be on the front line, but I also have duties to my, con- like it's, it's, it's a, it's a struggle, but I'm gonna call it a beautiful struggle because, you know, Everybody, everybody isn't called. Only few are called to yeah. it. But, you know, I, I launched this 5% of Lawyers a Black brand because no one knows this. Yeah. Whenever I wear my shirt, or one of my bras or pants or whatever, let's say I'm at the airport, someone's like, is that low? Only 5%? You know, awareness. Yeah. Awareness, you know. And it's not just, it's not just us. You know, this profession is 88% white men. Right. So I'm not, I don't know the exact number of, of, of white women in the profession, but we know it. We know it's somewhere of, of that 11 mm, percent yeah. <laughs> that's remaining. I think less than two percent are, are Latina, less than two percent are black females, you know. And when we think about mass incarceration, when we think about just some of our laws and the origins of them. And who they affect more than others. And then you say, okay, who made the laws? Who's enforcing the laws? Who's the person sentencing the people that are targeted more than other groups? And it's like, 
five percent of lawyers are black. It makes sense, you know. So there's there's you know, I consider this my contribution to the Black Lives Matter movement. I consider this me doing my part. Um, you know, and and just at the same time, just it, it can be really easy to let the news discourage you, but I take it in doses, I do my part. And at the end of the day, I'm going to still um, enjoy life. I'm going to still express gratitude. I'm going to unplug when I need to and go have fun with my friends and family. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very um, happy and appreciative of the opportunity to be an activist. Absolutely. And what would you say is your experience in law school and in the legal profession? Have you personally experienced racism? And what can you share about that? Have I ever experienced? I I can't say directly. Okay. What I will say is a lot of times I, I get the are you the paralegal? Are mm. oh the uh defendants have to sit over there. I would um, call that racism. Yeah. What they'll say is, oh, you just look so young. No, because no. <laughs> she said like, no, no, no. <laughs> just no. <laughs> Uh-huh. No, I, I think it's racism. They they oh you just look so young. And I'm like, okay, you know, there's there's a thing with some racism where it's like there's like a cowardly racism. No, you you just thought because I'm black that, you know, but no, yes, I'm the attorney. I, I'm I'm the one representing you, you know. I, I will I will also say that I have been very, you know, a lot of future lawyers, they will take any opportunity that comes their way. They will go to any law school that gives them money. You know, but I encourage future lawyers to really do your research on these schools, on these employers, because, you know, I didn't just take any any opportunity. You know, some people go to certain big firms and they're shocked and upset when they have issues. And it's like, well, sis, if you looked at this firm before you got there, it kind of looks like you're the token black girl, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I'm I'm upset and offended and trying to figure out what we can do about your situation, but I I can't say I'm surprised. Exactly. Um, so I say all that to say I think I was also very intentional about who I would work for, you know, where I would work, you know. Um, well, I will also say, you know, when I was in law school, we had an incident with one of our professors using the N word on campus. Um, and that was a huge deal. We were on the news. Thankfully, I was not in the class. I was like maybe two doors down. But I remember after that class, and it was just like a big commotion. Everyone was upset. Yeah. You know, it was like, we were just like, what just, you know, like it was, it was just this whole situation. Um, so while I, I'm thankful because I don't think I've had any like super blatant, but the indirect racism is, is always there. Yeah. And I think just, you know, even for our listeners, just bringing awareness that this stuff, you know, you, you said like, I don't know if it was directly, but it, you know, it, it was that's racism yeah. that, or if that's racism. So it's good for listeners to know, like, number one, don't do these things, right? Be aware, know that you can't say things. And also just like bringing awareness that like, if you see someone say something, say mm-hmm. something, you know, like the allies, right. You know, I, I can scream and say, you know, and, and protest as much as you want. But what we also need is for like you guys to have those hard conversations with that family member. You know, we all got that one family member who a little, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a little, we do this, you know, like that. Right. But it's, it's, you know, all of us, 
you know, not me just sharing 5% of lawyers of black, everyone's sharing mm-hmm. that, you know, because yeah. a lot of times I know we feel like we're preaching to the choir, right? You know, my audience on social media is kind of sometimes like preaching to the choir. It's really the people that don't follow me or the people that I don't know or talk to or come into, you know, interactions with on a regular basis. And that's where, you know, I believe our allies come into place. Absolutely. And I found you off a post of someone sharing, you know, these amazing black female attorneys Aww, really? that are doing, yes, that are doing great work. And I was like, oh, she's young and cool. We need to have her on stat and chat and just chat because this is great. Yeah. And you've been great. And just to kind of end it, what would you say as your tip to, I mean, you're a law school coach. So what's your tip for those people out there that want to go to law school and maybe feel pushed away from it or are scared or don't have the money or they think they can't do it? What do you say to them? So, you know, not having money is understandable, but getting to the mindset of you are, you don't have to pay for law school. You can get that full tuition scholarship like my future lawyers are doing and, you know, stop sharing your plans with everyone because auntie and them may not get it. Um, aside from that type of stuff, my biggest thing is the law school admissions test, which I hope is abolished <laughs> at some point in time. And, yes. and the bar exam. Too. And the bar exam. <laughs> I'm not one of them people that's like, well, I took it. So y'all, didn't, you know, uh-uh. no. So my thing with the LSAT is, is not that future lawyers cannot um, overcome the LSAT and get the score they need. They do not know how to properly study. They don't realize that this is a learn. It's like learning a new language, right? Yes. And if you're learning a new language, it could easily take a year to be fluent. But a lot of future lawyers go into the LSAT thinking, "Oh, two weeks cram." No, this is not that. You know, understanding the discipline and the strategy that mm. you need to get through the LSAT, like you know, understanding this is not something you should just do on a limb. Yeah, right? it's, it's it's not that. That's what I'm here for, though. Right. Understanding, you know, there's free LSAT prep now and along with a good study schedule. And and then also understanding that money isn't always a solution. So a lot of future lawyers say, well, I don't have money for a tutor or I don't have money for a $2,200 course. Listen, you can pay for a tutor. You can pay for a course, but you still have to do a lot, if not most of the work outside of that $2,200 class. Or that hundred dollars. Most of most of your improvement and how you get a higher score is outside of paying that hundred dollar tutor, hundred dollar hour tutor, or whatever. Right? It's on, it's on you. It's totally on you. So you know, I've seen future lawyers with with you know who had to sign who signed up for Khan Academy, which is free LSAT prep, and because they were disciplined and they knew you know we talked and they knew how to really get the most out of Khan. You know, they they did more and without any real money or access or whatever, it got the scores they needed versus the person who paid twenty two hundred, but they barely went to class. They barely yeah. studied outside the class. You know, money does not always isn't always a solution, is is I think the takeaway here. Exactly. And it's not a magic pill. You know, I think it's kind of like dieting, right? We just yeah. want it to work. And and when it comes to law school and like learning a new language, we just want it to happen. And reality, yeah. it's so much discipline, like you're saying, and so much hard work goes into it. And, and even as an attorney, I'm still learning discipline. Like this is not, it, it never <laughs> stops. And it I never feel like talking to pre-law students, you know, having them learn discipline with the LSAT can help so much for law school, like so much. 
So, and that's the one thing I again abolish the LSAT, but you know, having to gain discipline to make it through studying for the LSAT is a skill that can transfer into law school, that can transfer into the bar exam and transfer into private practice or public practice, whatever you decide to do. Um, but it, 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 it will definitely teach you some discipline because nobody want to learn how to do a logic game. I still don't know how to do a logic game. So. <laughs> I, I wiped up from my memory the moment I walked out of my last LSAT. <laughs> I was like, never again. Never again. Never again. <laughs> awesome, Jazz. Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Most definitely. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Jazz Talks Law. This is how you see if it's not super clear that clear there, J-S-T-A-L-K-S-L-A-W, like Jazz Talks Law, um, or you can search 5% of Lawyers of Black. Um, you can email me, info at jazztalkslaw.com. You can even text me, like, but you got to find my number on my Instagram if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to chat with us. Most definitely. I'm, you know... In any of these opportunities where I can just share, you know, 5% lawyers being black and the work y'all are doing, like kudos to y'all for having me. Kudos to y'all for being second year law students. I don't know what classes y'all are taking right now, but, you know, anytime I, I get the opportunity to do this and be with people like y'all, like I'm, I'm going to always, you know, make time in my schedule, like no matter what. Um, and just, you know, to you too, like, I know second year law school, completely virtual, like, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever I can do to help y'all out. Like any like even if it's just like, can I admit, did you experience this? Like yeah. this student, this classmate, this professor is if y'all want to DM me like anytime, like feel free. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Most definitely. I'm still shocked about how much money she was able to raise for her scholarship fund. Like, that is insane, guys. Like, that is, like, something that I would love to do for you guys, too, one day. Like, seriously. I just can't get over, like, how she's so herself and confident. Like, I just freaking love it. I'm going through her Instagram, looking at her pictures, and I'm thinking, like, oh, girl, yes, I need that vibe, you know? And it's true. Like she had, you know, whenever she's talking about her journey and how she started Jazz Talks All, it was just something that I think was never on her radar, but was presented to her and she like just dove in. And that is something that I want to just take from her and learn from her that, you know, you might not see it as your path, but it is your path, you know, and it's not maybe the path you chose for yourself, but, you know, take what people tell you that you're good at and run with it and use that to your advantage. And then look at her, so many millions of dollars worth of scholarships, so many people getting into law school, so many conversations had about racism in law and as lawyers and what it's like to be a black lady lawyer, you know, it's just amazing. And I just, so glad we got the chance to sit down and really talk to her. And she's so dang cute, you guys. Go follow her stat. Yes, if you want good vibes, good energy, seriously, she was such a ray of sunshine to speak to. And her Instagram is always popping. She's always just being awesome. So 
All her info will be in the show notes and definitely give her a follow. Let her know that you liked this episode and yeah, definitely reach out to her if you have any questions. Yeah. And especially if you are a pre-law student and you need a little help um, figuring out what to do, she does law school coaching. So reach out to her and she will help guide you and figure out, you know, what you need to do next and the whole bit. I know I could have used some guidance in pre-law, so make sure and take advantage of it. And yeah. If you want more law school related content, be sure to follow our Instagram at ladies who law school podcast. We also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group that you should definitely join. So check those out. Yes. And make sure and take care of yourself. It's getting so much closer to summer get the vaccine, and we can all go back to living a normal lifestyle, you guys. So we will talk to you again soon. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Bye, guys. Bye.